Welcome to Simple Faith with host Dale Carlson, bringing solid Christian answers to your questions and concerns. Simple Faith on Life-Changing Radio. Here's host, Dale Carlson. Welcome to Simple Faith. Uh, we've got a very special program for you today, and we've got a full program today. Uh, we're talking about um, the tragedy in Lewiston. And we're going to have some experts on. We're going to be talking about uh, what's being done, what's what's uh, what needs to be done. We're going to talk about uh, uh, PTSD. We're going to talk about uh, uh, what's going on in the Lewiston Auburn area uh, now. We're going to talk about uh, hopefully talk about what's what's uh, what's what's what happened last night at our, our prayer meeting. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, uh, what should happen in the future. Uh, and we'd like you to participate in this today if you want to. We're going to close the phone lines today. We're not going to ask for phone calls because uh, we just got too much on the plate. But please, if you want to, I'll, I'll, I'm going to give this to you once or twice during the program. I don't think we're going to break to uh, give this more often. But the text number is 576-5648. Please, if you've got something to add to this, we need to hear it. Um, text us, and, uh, and we'll do our best to get that on the air today. Uh, I'm here today with uh, Bob Bolmier and Jim Barnes, as, as usual. And we have Lee Pelletier, and uh, the, he's the uh, WBCI station manager uh, with us today, uh, kind of w- w- initiated this program for us. And um, I've got Dan Church, um, pastor of South Lewiston Baptist Church here. Uh, we've got uh, Kevin Fortier, who uh, He'll be calling in today, and, and we're going to talk to him about how to deal with uh, PTSD. And we're going to have Laurel Libby on the line today uh, for a little bit. Uh, she's our state representative from the Auburn District. Uh, she's going to be calling in and and uh, and talking about the Christian response to uh, the Lewiston tragedy. And uh, you know what is she seeing, and what is she doing uh, with this all? So I'd like to start with Lee because uh, because you called me this week, uh, Lee, and uh, and uh, and said let's let's make a change on the program this week and mm-hmm. and do something that deals with all the hurt that's going on in Lewiston today and how do we deal with this from a Christian perspective? So give us a little background on that and, and how that happened. Sure. Well, after Friday's incident, um, when I got in on Monday morning, right after that, um, I got a call from. The owner of the station, and also for myself as well, thinking about um, how people are reacting to all of this, and there was still there was still an issue of um, not capturing as as yet, and uh, there was so much out there that people were asking questions about. So the first thing Bill Blount, the owner of the station, said, "We need to put something on the air, something that can re- give some encouragement to your listeners." Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, 
how about a live program? And obviously the only live program we have is you, Dale. Well, <laughs> we're happy to, to do this. I mean, not happy to do this, but, uh, but it's, a, it's an important thing uh, that is. we do. And, and really, um, from a Maine's point of view, having people that live in this area discussing what's going on is, I mean, we have national pastors who do a great job. We have people that have addressed it from a, from a way, but living through it, it gives an opportunity for listeners to say, I know who he is, I know who they are, I know where that church is. Those things that, that bring it home for people, and that's why we're doing this. I think one of the things that uh, that you somebody mentioned as we we're getting ready for the program today is that uh, you know once the funerals are over and uh, and once the uh, the um, you know the grieving you know is is kind of off the off the front page, um, those things still go on, right. and uh, you know I, I'm hoping that. That as bad as and as tragic this was, it gives us an opportunity as a Christian community to say, you know, how do we love our community better? I mean, this is you know, people, you know, the the national news is going to go go away. Um, Busloads of people came in from different areas, different places to to help out. Those people are going to go away. We live here. That's right. And uh, and this is our state. This is our community. And uh, and this is our Christian. Uh, well, you know, as believers, Dale, and, and we all know this as well, um, but as Christians, we need to instill hope in people that have no hope. And that was the thing that Christ did for us when we were at a point in our lives, um, and I don't know about the rest of you, but I know in my own, um, in my own life, I was at the end of my rope, and I needed hope. Mm-hmm. And only yeah. through Christ Jesus and another believer who came alongside who brought the gospel to me, who was able to introduce to me that there is hope out there. And we have the hope of our salvation, obviously, but there's the hope in the Christian fellowship that that don't put us online, that don't ask us to give an answer always, except an answer to our faith. Mm-hmm. And I believe that Christians, this is, this is a moment for us to step up and come alongside those that are hurting. And if we can do it through a radio program, introducing them to a pastor or to a church or at least ways to an outlet that they can seek hope, then that's what we're doing here. There that's what I'm doing here. Absolutely as a plenty of opportunity out there today, isn't there? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're going we're gonna, to uh, go online now with uh, uh, Laurel Libby. Um, and uh, she's our state representative from the Auburn District. Uh, I, I don't think we have her quite on the line yet, but uh, but uh, uh, we'll have her here in a second. Hi, this is Laurel. Oh, yeah, we do have Laurel here. Now, hi, Laurel. This is Dale Carlson from Simple Faith. Um, I sure appreciate you joining us today. Happy to be on with you guys. Thanks so much for inviting me. Hey, uh, Laurel. Laurel, uh, you're our state representative from, from Auburn, and, uh, and you're also a, a sister of ours in, in Christ. Uh, what do you see in, in in the Christian response to this tragedy? You know, what, what's happening out there? What do you see happening? Yeah, I have to tell you, I just attended uh, a phenomenal gathering last night in Kennedy Park in Lewiston. It was a dozen churches in the Lewiston-Auburn area who came together to, um, you know, to, to pray and to uh, worship together and to um to pray for for change in our state 
and uh, it's, it's great to see uh, the body coming together in this way in, in unity and responding to a tragedy like this in, in this way. Now, what, did, what did you see? Who, who, who came out to this uh, prayer meeting, um, uh, Laurel? Was it was a lot of the, the locals or was it uh, Christians or a mix? You know, what, 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 was, yeah, what happened? I, I would say a mix, and I, I don't want to start naming churches because I'm, I'm sure to leave some off, but it was a mix of the, the locals in that area as well as uh, churches and, and the church families that attend those various churches. And uh, it, it was great to see, to see that response in the local community there. Uh-huh. And uh, and yeah, what are what are you doing? What from a from a state perspective? What are you doing? Or from a Christian perspective? You know, what what are you personally? What are you what are you involved in other than the prayer meeting? Yeah. So uh, it, the weekend after the shooting, I submitted some legislation uh, to repeal certificate of need so that we can increase our supply of mental health care here in Maine. You know, we've had a mental health crisis in our state for decades now. Mm -hmm. I'm a nurse. I've been a nurse for 20 years. And as long as I have been a nurse, we have had a shortage of mental health care. This is this is not anything new. It, it just gets worse every year. And so I submitted a bill that would uh, that would help increase the, the supply of mental health care in Maine. I've submitted it twice before, more broadly, um, and, and this time I just submitted it to tackle mental health care in particular. And so I'm, I'm hopeful that we can get that across the finish line and actually start making some change in that area here in Maine. Laurel, how would that change, increase the supply? What do you mean by that? Yeah, so Certificate of Need is a policy that was passed in various states around the country in, in about the 1970s. And, and the thought with it was that it would make sure that we didn't have too much of one particular healthcare type, and and what it's actually done instead is really contributed to healthcare rationing. And so, what it is is it's a, a government permission slip that says yes, there is a need for this particular uh, type of healthcare in this area. So you may go ahead and you can open up your new facility or you can increase um, the the amount of care that you're giving in that area. And so what happens is when someone wants to open a new facility or they want to offer, um, have more beds in their existing facility, they have to fill out what's called a certificate of need application. And not only does the state get to weigh in, but actually that facility's competition gets to weigh in. Uh, so it's a very expensive process. These applications can cost up to two hundred thousand dollars, and and with the competitive with with the competitors weighing in, that's like if you wanted to open a McDonald's franchise and Burger King got to weigh in and say, actually, we think there are plenty of hamburgers in this area, and so we don't want you to open up a McDonald's. That's it's Ooh. it's the healthcare equivalent of that. Oh, competition. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if we repeal that and these uh, folks no longer have to submit expensive, time-consuming applications, that's one less hoop that they have to jump through to offer good care in our state. And when we're talking about mental health, I think it's important we roll back every single government roadblock that we can. I kind of think I remember when they uh, shut down some of the institutions that weren't great around uh, around Maine years ago, but it seems like there's been not much to replace them, and, and uh, so many of these folks are on the street. Uh, you just uh, you wonder. We've heard a lot about this fellow that uh, that did the shooting and, and the mental issues that he had, and it seems like there were laws that, yeah, you know, at least from from my perspective or 
from others that I've talked to that that just weren't weren't uh, followed to uh, to uh, you know save the lives of these folks. What what's what's being done yeah. about that? Well, that's a, that's a great question, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that there are going to be investigations into where exactly things went wrong, because you're right, there are existing laws that should have theoretically taken care of this situation and gotten that gentleman the help that he obviously needed. Um, and, and it's tragic that that didn't happen, <laughs> not just for yeah. these 18 victims who died and 13 other victims who were injured, but for for the shooter himself. How mm-hmm. tragic yeah, yeah. Um, that his life was lost. And, and uh, if we have laws on the books that that could have saved his life as well um you know it's it's really tragic that that didn't happen and so i look forward to hearing the results of, of those investigations i think it's critically important information that we need to have i think uh, i think we all look forward to that and this seems to be a problem that repeats itself over and over and over again in these uh in these mass shootings it is. And, you know, of course, we haven't had a shooting like this in Maine previously, right. and I pray we never do again. Um, but we need to we need to make sure that we get to the, to the root cause and, and we need to make sure we do address the root cause. Whatever comes out of this investigation concerning the existing laws, we do already know one thing for sure. And that is, we do have a mental health crisis in Maine. So mm-hmm. we know right out of the gate, we should be, and we can, we need to address that. That's a for sure that we don't need to do any kind of investigation for. We already know that's a fact. That's right. That's right. Well, Laura, as a Christian now, do you think that the churches or the church has a role to play in this business of increasing the supply of treatment for folks with mental health troubles? Well, you know, that's a great question. Uh, Frankly, I think the church has and should have a a much larger role to play in a a lot of areas of society. And I I think we have somewhat abdicated that responsibility. And we've seen government take over in, in many areas that, frankly, the church should be stepping up in much larger ways. So, I hope that we will see the church, um, you know, the church in Maine step up and uh, begin to help in those areas because I, I don't think <laughs> that government is the answer. <laughs> I, 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 I simply yeah. don't, but we need to see churches and, and citizens stepping up in order in order to make that change. It has become kind of accepted policy in our society that government is the answer and and i simply don't believe that it is i agree with you a thousand percent yes indeed Laurel. and uh and i just you know i, I just just uh from your standpoint it, uh you brought this up so or my jim brought this up but how would that happen what would that look like uh, uh for the churches to step up how would that you know what what would what how would that happen yeah i think of uh the the church that i attend and and that there are, are folks that um, are involved in a shepherding program in our church, and uh-huh. I wonder how something like that could translate to mental health counseling. I don't know all the ins and outs there, but I think if there are, are compassionate people that are willing to, to build relationships with the hurting people in our society, that that, that would go a long way. And um, there there is such a, such a shortage of... Um, 
it, I don't I don't know that I have a, a, an exact what that would look like. But you know what? We have so many people who care about this issue in our state. And we have we have so many folks um, who who care in our churches. I, I bet if we put our brains together, that uh, folks uh, can yep. come up with some creative solutions. We've seen that uh, we've seen that in in various areas, and I'd like to see that applied to mental health as well. Yes, indeed. Those of us certainly who claim to be followers of the one who has the means of grace and the hope of glory. And boy, that took an awful knock back there. Uh, We need vision. We need vision, and uh, we need a vision for just exactly this. How does a church, how do Christians individually, uh, how do individual churches get involved, and how do we get together as a Christian community and address some of these things from a, from, uh, a perspective that's very different than the way the world looks at it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is, uh, this is Lee Pelletier, and I, I wanted to ask you a quick question. Um, obviously, we do have some laws in the books, and, and having more funding for these facilities would be wonderful, but that takes time. Now, in the event of this, this past event, there were reports of this individual having some difficulties not only in the uh, reserves but also around this neighborhood and what's in place right now that we could act as christians or as just individuals within our community to to protect ourselves in the way that gets protection for us and our families but also for the individual is there anything out there at all yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And you know what I would I would say to that? I, I want to back up and take bird's eye view for a minute here. You know, I, I think one thing that we've seen in, in our society that has been such a substantial change, if you look at today versus 50 years ago, um, we used to be a, a society that valued community mm-hmm. and that knew our neighbors. And we, you know, we sat out on our porch in the evenings and, and talked to each other. And... Um, and, and, and we we are such busy people. <laughs> I think that we don't have that same investment in community, and we've really lost something as a society. I'm not blaming what happened in Lewiston on, uh, you know, kind of those, those changes to a rushed society, but I think there's a lot of value to bringing community back and being very intentional with our, our neighbors and, um, and and growing that community again, and and starting starting right there. You know, that may be a place that is practical for folks to start is with starting in their own community, getting to yeah. know each other again, and and building from there. Let's start where we can, <laughs> rather than immediately jumping to. Uh, you know, it's some of the some of the more challenging things. Let's start right there. Let's start right in our own communities. Yes, yes, and in, 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 in encouraging individuals to make a decision, a personal decision. I'm going to get spend less time getting and spending for myself, and more time out there amongst my people in my community. Yeah, if if we want to really uh, be see change in society, we we need to be intentional. Thank you, Laurel. I think we are incredibly fortunate to have a representative like you um, yeah. uh, uh, working for us in Augusta. And I just want to thank you for what you do and, uh, and what you bring to our state and, and what you brought to this radio station uh, just today and the last time you were here. We just appreciate you. Thank you so much. Well, thanks so much for having me on. You guys have a great afternoon. You too. God bless. Bye-bye. Thank you, Laurel.
I think I, I really believe that. I think we are so so um, lucky to have people like her, and I know she's been active in so many um, issues here in our state that are, are are really important to us. We're going to go to uh, now um, to uh, uh, Kevin Fortier. Uh, he's. Uh, I'm going to let Lee. He's a, a friend of Kevin's. I'm going to let Lee introduce him, and uh, and uh, we're going to we're going to learn from Kevin a little bit about PTSD, and uh, uh, we're having. Are you there, Kevin? Hi. Hi, Kevin. I'm going to I'm going to let Lee introduce you. Uh, apparently you guys got a um, a good friendship and uh and uh he's going to let us know what uh, what what we're going to be talking about with you. Okay, great. Sounds good. How you doing, Kev? Um I'm I'm doing well, Lee. Thanks for asking. How are you? I'm I'm better than I deserve, brother. Kevin and I have been <laughs> friends for a long time and um we are brothers in Christ and very close brothers in Christ as well. And, uh, oh, get closer. So anyway, um, I'll introduce you. Uh, Kevin's a pastor of the Assemblies of God in Thomaston, but he's also um, served as for 10 years in the uh, maximum security prison in Warren, and he currently serves in hospitals as a chaplain and also with the Army Reserves and National Guard. Um, Kevin, I love what you put on your website. This is this really addresses what people need to do. Every day is a new beginning. Every moment offers the opportunity for hope. Every encounter is a blessing to be found, and every moment lived is time to be thankful. As he, I remember these things, I find true hope and can build into others and learn to find beauty in ashes through relationships with my Lord Jesus Christ. Kevin, I, I can't imagine saying it any better. And... Uh, Thank you for being here today with us, okay? Thank you for having me. Yeah, God bless you, Kevin. Thank you. Uh, now, I was looking on your website very briefly before we got started today, too, and, and uh, God has put on your heart uh, dealing with folks with PTSD. And uh, is that right? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, we'd love to hear a little bit about that. And, and you know, we've got people that were present at those shootings. Uh, we've got people that are related to people that uh friends or relatives that were involved uh, we've got people that uh, kind of live through the fear of of um, of not capturing him right away um yeah you know what can we do i mean what 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 can you help us with to understand our role in all this sure uh first of all uh dale and lee and uh, i just want to thank you all for for having me and allowing me to participate um, over the phone uh, I'm sorry that I wasn't able to be there today in person. Uh, there were some ex events that prohibited that, but um, yeah, God has really put on my heart just um, post-traumatic stress, post-traumatic stress disorder. And I want to just kind of emphasize that uh, trauma, unfortunately, and as we all know, trauma is a part of our lives. It's becoming more and more part of our, our daily experiences, our, our lived experiences, our common experiences. And um, it's not something that we're going to be able to get it. But I can't offer anything outside of what my Lord and Savior um, has already done, has already provided. Um, I do want to say this, um, and we know this about trauma. Trauma is really 
um, what happens to us um, as a response to an event um, or events or a circumstance or circumstances. And it can be prolonged um, through our symptoms. It can be, um, you know, we can have dysregulated emotions, um, whether anger, whether irritability, you know, sleeplessness, hypervigilance, intrusive thoughts, things like that. But I know that there's hope and I know that there's healing and I know um, that these exist first and foremost in the person of Jesus Christ. But secondly, um, in our shared experiences of trauma and grief, because we don't live it alone, we enter into it with others. And I think it's really a sacred um, moment. Um, I'll say this really quick. Um, I think it was 2017 or 2018, there was um, a shooting and it left 58 people dead. And this one that we've experienced here on October 25th, the communities were shaken, people were shaken. There's vicarious trans uh, transference of trauma. There's um, shared trauma, there's informed trauma. There's all these different definitions, but George P. Wood once mentioned about when trauma hits your community, how do we respond? And he made this statement that I thought was really compelling. He said, prayer is not enough. Mm -hmm. what, he, what, he, what he wasn't saying was don't pray, but what he was saying is if we say we're gonna pray, but we don't do anything, and you know, James chapter two mentions this, but he says, if we say we're just gonna pray, but we don't do anything to meet that person in their need, then what's the point basically? So prayer coupled with putting our, our feet, uh, our faith to our feet into action and just meeting people where they are mm -hmm. in the middle of that, um, that trauma and helping them recognize and understand that what they're experiencing, whether it's a secondhand trauma, maybe they weren't there, but because they live in that community right. and especially um, some of the folks in that surrounding community, they weren't there, but they're traumatized they're having a hard time sleeping, they're having a hard time regulating their emotions, their coping skills are off, their resiliency is off. It's okay to recognize that this is your body's response to this event that is tragic and traumatic. And it's okay to experience the things that you're experiencing. But what about the first responders, the emergency medical, the emergency uh, police, and our first responders who responded and were there. Mm. Because some of them, this is not the first time they've experienced something traumatic mm. and their resiliency starts to break down a little bit yeah. and they start having coping mechanisms that are maybe unhealthy, but how do we meet them mm -hmm. in, their, in their need? Right. And I think recognizing that we need to be a safe place for them. We need to, to go into that darkness with them where a lot of people don't want to go into that darkness. They don't want to go into that, mm. that shadow. They want to stay away from it, but yeah. we need to be there and we need to offer our shoulder. We need to offer to them 
emotional, spiritual support. And it's got to be ongoing. And what I've seen on two, two different levels, one, people just start going back to their, their regular living and they kind of forget what happened. Or two, um, people just can't go back to living and they live in the fear and they live in the anxiety and they start to withdraw and start to disassociate and start to just really live on that fear. And both of those are extremes. And how do we help people recognize that this is now a part of who they are Mm -hmm. and to bring it forward and to honor the sacrifices and to honor, you know, what they've done, what they've offered Mm -hmm. and their compassionate care. And so that's really the question. Um, How do we do that? And part of the answer is it has to be ongoing. You know, we have to allow vulnerability. We have to allow, you know, a sacred silence to that person to just sit with them, to maybe feel maybe something of what they might be experiencing, to let them know that you're there and to help them find other help and other resources and certainly pray and certainly meet their needs and all of these things, you know, there's a time to be silent. There's a time to speak. And Job in the old Testament, when his three friends came and they saw that he was in such great agony and grief and despair from everything that had happened, they came to comfort him, but they also came to grieve with him is what it says in Job's got in Job chapter one. But when they got there, they didn't even recognize him because that transformed him that trauma really was transformative and they sat with him in absolute silence for seven days and seven nights. Mm. And that's powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll stop there for a minute. I don't know if there's yeah. questions or just thoughts. Well, I, on. I, I think what you're saying and what I'm hearing you say is that, that it requires people on people, not a new book, not a new uh, learning experience of some sort, not uh, not somebody reading even reading scripture to you over and over again, listening and being there. Uh, there's there's a there's a a place for that. Um, uh, uh, just caring, you know. I, I I keep coming back the last couple of weeks to that uh, that that simple saying. You know, people don't care what you know and the, until they know that you care. <laughs> And, that's absolutely uh, right. And, yeah, uh, and and uh, that's such a and and I I think I think as we um, look at the other side of this tragedy, you know, as a as a Christian community, to realize that it takes all of us, not just a pastor, not just a uh, uh, a deacon uh, or a or a Sunday school leader to to do this, but it takes all Christians, hands on deck, loving others like Jesus loved us. And, uh, yeah. and I think that's yeah, what I'm no, hearing you say. No, that's, that's, you know, that's the heart of it. And so there's compassion. You know, we can't just say, you know, be warm and well-fed hmm. and then do nothing. We need to be present. We need to be right there with them. And it's exactly people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Hmm. So it's not about another book. It's not about... And I'm sure 
you know, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with clinical books and offerings of, of, yeah, of those types it. of things. Yeah. But being relational and being real and, you know, really modeling what, what I would say, you know, in, in the Gospels and the Synoptic Gospels where, you know, Jesus was himself interruptible, you know, he was going to heal or going to, to, to be with Jairus's, um child, but he was interrupted by a woman who had a flow of blood for, you know, for, what, 12 years? Mm-hmm. And so he was able to be interruptible in the midst of the crowd, in the midst of all of that, to provide and offer something to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And so seeing everybody, maybe through eyes of compassion and definitely through, you know, the eyes of Jesus, but not preaching at them, because mm-hmm. um, sometimes even the right passage of scripture first and foremost you know i believe the word of god and everything that it says everything that is contained in it but sometimes there is that time to say something and there's a time to be silent like you know we see all throughout the you know in ecclesiastes but so just having that compassion for people because we recognize that we're all people and so i you know, I try to take a whole person approach. I try to look at people as people. There's, you know, all these models, trauma-informed care and all these different models, CBT, uh, cognitive process therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, all these different models. But I think really what people need is to know that somebody is there. Mm-hmm. And we often are afraid of going into that dark place. We're often afraid of speaking to somebody about something that's traumatic and tragic. Right. And a friend of mine, Dr. Chris Sisney, once said, in order for healing to take place, in order for hope to be realized, those things which must never be spoken out loud must be spoken mm-hmm. out loud. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a time for that. There's a time for meeting them and sitting in silence and meeting their physical needs with, with a bottle of water. There's a time for you know, just meeting those needs, whatever they are. And it depends on the person. It depends on their experience. It depends on their role. But what I want to say just at this point in this, this opportunity is I can't thank the, the, the caregivers. And I'm not just talking about those in a uniform. I'm talking about the people that we don't even know about mm-hmm. that stepped in and provided care to somebody who was broken, to somebody that was hurting, to somebody that was, you know, distraught. There are so many people out there, and we don't even know the extent of it, that stepped in to provide care, that stepped in to offer, you know, an embrace and to to just love on people. And you see the community growing um, strong, even in the midst of this horrific event. And so being relational is, is huge and just meeting people, even if you're struggling yourself because we come alongside each other right. and we can provide yeah. that together. You know, Kevin, um, one of the problems we have, especially as males, we, we want to fix everything. And my realization as a caregiver is I can't fix everything. And just coming alongside, like you said, just giving a heartfelt hug what i used to call a jesus hug because the holy spirit lives within us and and just to hug another person and 
not say things like, oh, I understand. How can you sure. understand if you weren't there? Sure. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it does have a lot to do with us setting aside our own selves and thinking like, I can't fix this, but through Christ and loving on that individual, um, I can help. Because I, I know the law enforcement individuals tend to be, they tend to stand out and say, I, I don't need it, I'm okay. And we're not all okay. No, and I think that there's a tremendous recognition, and I appreciate you saying that. Um, I do want to touch on one thing really quick. Giving somebody a hug and that warm embrace is amazing, and, and, and human touch is, is powerful. But I also want to offer this caution because sometimes yes. we don't know what they went through, and we can actually, um, I guess, evoke maybe a trauma response in them by touching them or by giving them a hug. Yeah, scare the heck out of them. So it, yeah, so I definitely try to, to, you know, just make sure that, one, they're okay. Can I, can I, can I provide this type of care, this level of care, by, by putting my hand on your shoulder or by right. giving you this embrace and by weeping together with you? And mm -hmm. Because what I think people need for care and what they need for care at that moment may be completely on different ends of the spectrum. But just being there and, and letting them know, you know, how they've been impacted is going to change their life forever. Mm -hmm. And it's not something that it's going to go away. You know, I've heard people say, well, people should be over that by now or not, not speaking of this particular instance, but other instances like, well, they should get over it. Well, people don't get over. They learn how to walk through in the differences of who they're now, who they now are based off of that um, trauma and who it's, um, shaping them into being if that makes sense mm. so um yeah no i appreciate uh lee and and, and Dale, i appreciate that and uh, yeah i sure appreciate you joining us today kevin i think we're going to have to have you on our program here at some point and and really kind of dive into this i just think there's so much more there that we could uh, draw from you um, and if you'd be willing to do that sometime uh, let's let's make that connection yeah, absolutely. I would love that, um, Dale. And I appreciate all that you do, and and uh, and Lee, and just for the communities and and how we can reach out. Um, but you know, it it takes more than one person. And I appreciate you all, your heart uh, for compassion and care. And I just close from my portion, uh, Genesis fifty and verse twenty. Joseph, who has gone through so much tragedy, so much loss, and things that he went through. In Genesis fifty twenty, he says to his brothers, "What you meant for evil, God meant for oh, that's good." That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know what good is going to come, but I know that God has a purpose. If it and, gets uh, if it gets the Christian community to in, be involved and and to reach out and to understand more, you know, that is one good result that could could come out of this. I mean, nobody wanted this to happen. Nobody. But, you know, it's these kinds of times that uh, is good for us to look at ourselves and say, you know, how are we doing? You know, what, what, what can we do better? And, uh, Absolutely. So thank you so much, Kevin. We're going to let you go now, and uh, we will be in touch with you here in the, in the near future. Thank you so much. God thank bless. You. God bless you all. I'm going to remind folks one more time that uh, you can text us if you've got something to add uh, at 576-5648. 
That's 576-5648. And now we're going to go to uh, Pastor Dan Church from the uh, South Lewiston Baptist Church. And I believe that uh, that the, uh, the prayer meeting that uh, Laurel was referring to is a prayer meeting that you were uh, yeah. that you gathered at, and yeah. and uh, so you know what happened. Who did you pray for, and uh, and and uh, and how did that go? Who was there? Um, and I, I want to come back to uh, to you know as, as we as we wrap this up, as we're continuing to wrap this up, and the time is going by. We haven't taken a break today because we've got so much to talk about. But as we wrap this up, I want to remember what Kevin just told us. He says prayer isn't enough. You know, there's a there's a response. There's a job that Jesus has given us to do. That's part of this. And so we pray. Are we are we asking God to change, or, or are we asking God to change us? Yeah, uh, that's right on. And uh, so yeah, last night was uh, uh, just a, a really important and uh, meaningful time of churches, Lewiston, Auburn, um, and as pastors, um, several of us have been uh, texting and Zooming the last uh, seven days, as, as many have um, in our state, but to try to organize something. And we did a couple of things. We did a prayer service last Sunday night before the city vigil. Uh, vigil. Then we had our service last night. And so we, we had prayer, but we had singing. Uh, we had time of brief exhortation from different pastors and leaders uh, in our area. And uh, to uh, one, to really... We try to make it um, fairly interactive, and what we mean by that is uh, um, some folks, uh, I believe it was uh, Joel Furrow with Root Cellar, just him and his team are just tremendous. Uh, Michael Lang, Redemption Hill, they they brought some signs with the names of, of those who uh, that died and, uh, and who they left behind so that there was a prayer journey, a prayer walk. Um, so that people could actively walk through and pray through each and individual. Mm. Um, and so that was, and that we kind of let that go. Like, you know, we encourage people to do that throughout the evening as we were having singing or praying. Um, we had food there. We had kids' activities and things like that um, to reach people. And uh, so we took time to pray specifically for families of the victims of those who died, uh, families of those who survived and, and were there, um, and to really pray that God would draw them to Christ, that he would use us, God's people, to be hands and feet, um, to reach or to serve in some way uh, in the days ahead. And uh, we, we just took that time to be real focused. And of course, we, we prayed for our, our first responders, um, which are many in our churches uh, in our area, mm-hmm. and we thank God for them. Um, and you know that you know one of the past, um, law enforcement uh, wives made a good point, just I, I never would have thought about it one of those things you just don't know what you don't know and they said you know the last few years the general you know feel or approach to law enforcement it's 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 a 180 sometimes it's you know we love you and oh my goodness we owe you so much and then you know a couple years ago it was wow we don't want you and we want to get rid of you Mm -hmm. and and so it's emotionally absolutely exhausting for them to have to deal and so just for listeners out there, you know, keep that in mind when you express your support uh, for law enforcement. And, and if you're serving in some way, just don't be surprised if they're hesitant or apprehensive because they've heard things like this before, even from Christians for that matter. And and it was there maybe for a moment. It was there for a day, there for a week, there for a holiday, and then it was gone. Mm. And uh, so that's just something to keep in mind. Um, but anyways, it to see churches collaborate um, in recent days 
has been huge. We are one church, capital C church, capital you know, C, yeah. and uh, multi-denominational, and to see each other collaborating resources um, uh, just from all over our area was uh, wonderful for our community and, and, and not something we want to just uh, let go away. Uh, so yeah, last night was tremendous. So, were there, Kevin, were there first responders there at that meeting? Uh, there might have been a couple, um, but uh, they, they've been in our midst. They've been in our meetings. Uh, you know, okay. my, my wife and and someone else from our church uh, helped organize childcare so that spouses <sighs> of law enforcement could have a debriefing uh, today. And, and there's been more oh, like cool. that that will no doubt take place in the days and months ahead. And it's something they actually do throughout the year because this is not just a one-time thing for them, yeah. though this was certainly unique in the scale of tragedy and scope and everything. But, um, yeah. Well, uh, I was pastoral care at CMMC for 25 years. Mm. A lot of tragedy. I, I <laughs> sat there with a mother whose son burnt in a fire and they called me in because uh, she couldn't be alone with the child until they had an autopsy. Mm. So being uh, working at, being at the hospital, I sat there with her. Uh, I didn't have a lot of words because she kept asking, you know, why? Uh, and uh, questions I couldn't answer. And, and, and I just said to let her know, I, I don't know. Uh, but, yeah. but I pray with you and I sit with you yeah. and I sat with her for a few hours. But I think this is a wake-up call. Uh, you know, 18 tragic deaths. But, you know, at CMMC, it, it happens every day. With these police officers, they go into these horrific situations every day. And, and, and I think, you know, we need to say, Lord, what, what can I do? And, and, and where can I go? And I think there's so many people in the church you know, they look to the pastor to do it, or they look to a, to a few. I think every one of us commissioned, uh, you know, uh, to say, Lord, here am I. Uh, what yeah. what can I do? Yeah, yeah, and I, I, you're right on. And I think what we're seeing, I mean, we've been seeing this for years, um, and I'm thankful for patient, godly men and women who have brought this into my life in years past and, and continue to do so. But we have a we are malnourished in terms of having a robust, meaningful biblical worldview, uh, a meaningful biblical robust understanding of God's mission for us, mm. um, and how that pertains uh, to the crucial questions of life. We are malnourished when it comes to having a robust approach to discipleship. We have gotten, uh, we are trying to, you know, survive and live by the fumes of positive cliches and bumper stickers mm -hmm. and sentimentalism, which is, I mean, it's all over evangelicalism. Um, and we have not, you know, the, the, we realized, oh, wow, that really doesn't cut it. Uh, we, we've been so satisfied with a form of really soft prosperity gospel. Um, and then all of a sudden, obviously, we are brought back to earth, um, crushed by the weight of reality. But that's not because God didn't prepare us. <laughs> that is because we have, have not taken the full resources of his word and spirit. And, and God willing, we are seeing a change in that and have been even before October 25th, to be frank. Um, there's been a resurgence in this, and now we need to just ask God to help us. Uh, that's the best thing I've heard 
a pastor say for the for a long time, uh, Brian. And Brian, I call yeah. him Brian Dan. He's the one who probably taught. He's the one who taught me. So well, <laughs> you look just like him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, you know, uh, I think I think it's rooted in not understanding who we are. Yeah. You know, we come from a different place. We're aliens in a foreign land. We speak a different language. We come from a different perspective. And so much of our Christianity these days is seems to be geared to indulging our carnal needs instead of understanding that, you know, we don't speak the same language. We have eternity where our, 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 our hope is in eternity. It's not, not in this world. Mm. The people we're talking to might be their hope is in this world, and that's all they've got. Mm. You know, so, uh, so patience and kindness and, and understanding where people are coming from instead of gossip and and uh and and uh and and uh you know pushing people away and and playing the older brother of the right. prodigal e- parable exactly uh, exactly yeah, you know yeah. so how yeah. do we humbly accept this gift that we've been given of yeah. of eternal life and and translate that into into a, a a life that you know picks up our cross and says jesus we're going to follow you now and we're going to follow you uh through this life and we're going to lay down our needs, because our needs are all going to be met somewhere else. We don't have to have our needs right. met here. Uh, uh, this is this is what we're all about. So mm-hmm. you know, I, I guess you know we've talked earlier uh, before about about um, what happens uh, you know when the when the funerals are done, and uh, and you know how do we how do we proceed? And I'm thinking you know as we were talking about that, I'm thinking about nine nine eleven. You know, and how we prayed, and the the planes hit the the, the towers, and and uh, and there was just this instant revival. Everybody was on their knees praying to God, and a few months later, it's all gone. It's gone. And uh, and I'm afraid, you know, I'm afraid, and I don't want to say this, but is this another tragedy that's going to be wasted mm-hmm. uh, for us to uh, to to really um, to uh, to get down and say, you know. What what are our plans? You know, you say that we don't want the resources to go away. Uh, we don't want we don't we want to continue our outreach. Is there a plan to do this? Or, or is there a vision to do this? Um, and uh, and and you know, where do we go from here? Yeah, I I, th- I think that's that's right on. Uh, that is what we are exploring and praying and and uh, looking to put a sustainable sustainable path yes yes so that it's not. Uh, I mean, because look, we're. Those who have been directly affected, um, families and others, um, there's going to be a, a, almost a fatigue that's going to set in mm-hmm. um, just from the attention and everything. Um, and it, it, it's great. We do have a small window, though, at the same time right. of that we need to ask God for the real wisdom from his word to approach these things. And we can go confidently because this is not something – God and his omniscience didn't see coming, number one. But number two, it's not something that's foreign to Scripture mm-hmm. and to the God's oh. people to how to respond to. Mm-hmm. And so really, you know, I think Kevin mentioned it, uh, but really like relational. We need to take our friendships one to one. much more seriously and prayerfully mm-hmm. and be more intentional, a word that I think Laurel uh, Libby used, uh, you know, and, and to ask God for that. There's an urgency. Um, that we can that we need to take from it that doesn't lead to burnout or 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 anything, but really is a sustainable model, so to speak, of our motivation of why we're here. Yeah, and it, it, it like you said, uh, it, it's uh, it's got to be sustainable, and that means that everybody has to be hands on deck. It's not just ten percent of the po- population. You know, one of the things too, I I wanted to mention this as well. 
and especially Dan hit on it. During COVID, we saw that the church was so complacent that they were willing to go to Zoom meetings and everything else. And I think God shook up the churches to show us our own complacency, like Zachariah. We got away from our base, and, and, and now the churches are struggling to stay afloat because people have gotten into, involved with their Zoom meetings, or I can, direct TV, I can direct TV and have my own service whenever I want mm-hmm. it. And that's not, we're, we're forsaking the assembly of, of we, believers. Right. We've got to get together. Yep. We've yep. got to get together. Yep. Yep. And I think, I mean, that's, that's right on. And I think what was so wonderful about last night is the, the bold and hopeful, confident uh, presentation of the gospel. Amen. And we need to remember that the gospel, the good news of Christ, is going to seem foolish. Preaching of the gospel is going to seem foolish. But it should not seem foolish oh, within no. the church. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and, and that's where just every believer, you're doing the best you can. You, you may not be a preacher. You don't need to be. It, the point is sharing the gospel and, and bringing that to bear in a ways uh, that, that people can understand what you're talking about. And, uh, but that, that's our hope, and that was what was so wonderful. That's all we can rely on in terms of what changes hearts and minds. The, uh, the uh, thing that comes to mind when you're saying that is that you know, talking about the gospel is one thing, but people can see the gospel. When we're when we're loving yeah. others like Jesus loved us, it's it's the plan that He's given us. You know, love love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the way you do that is the same as the first commandment: is you love your neighbor as yourself. And that's all there is to it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much that we can do. And, and as we as we go forward, to realize that we have a purpose here in in this in this city, and we can recognize it maybe more than we've ever been able to recognize it before. Uh, as a result of this horrible, horrible tragedy, yeah. and uh, and let's let's be motivated enough mm-hmm. to be mobilized, and uh, and uh, and let's have vision. You know, we need vision. We need we need a plan to uh, to to move this forward. And I just appreciate Lee. I appreciate uh, Amen, Mr. Blunt, for uh, for having this idea today. I yeah. appreciate you for uh, for bringing this to to pass. I appreciate our guest today. I think Amen. we've had some great feedback today. Amen. And I think if there's anybody out there that doesn't have a, doesn't feel a, a, a deep sense of purpose in their faith and a deep sense of, of the need for, uh, for the gospel of Jesus not only to be talked about, but to be lived out, I just think it's uh, uh, one-to-one mm-hmm. in person. Uh, I just think, it's, uh, I think that would be a, a tremendous gift that uh, that came from these folks that we had on our program today we've got one minute left and uh and I, i'm gonna i'm gonna have lee close us in prayer um well i'll, I'll make it quick it's surprising how fast an hour can go by dear father i want to believe that you will bring us through this time of sadness and loss i want to take confidence in the fact that we will smile and even laugh again I understand that hope may be grasped in different ways as we proceed on our life's journey, and I believe that you want us to be filled with abiding peace, unconditional love, and eternal joy. We are currently in a deep valley of sadness, and help us to hold on to your promises of everlasting joy and peace as we walk holding your hand through this dark valley. I know that you will never leave us nor forsake us. In your loving name, in the name of Jesus, Amen and amen. 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 Lord, let your spirit shine through us. Amen. We are 
we are broken by this moment and humbled by this moment, and uh, and we just need you to give us direction. Thank you for listening today. We'll be back next week. Uh, God bless, and find your place. Find your place in in uh, in Jesus' plans. Stay